0: Listening to Affect Autism, where affect is the number one tool we use in supporting child development through playful interactions. Welcome to Affect Autism. This week, I have the pleasure of being in Pennsylvania at a total approach where I am meeting with Maude LaRue, occupational therapist and DIR expert training leader. Today, we are going to discuss theory of mind, which is a topic that comes up a lot. When you hear about different um, challenges that are faced by some of our children who are on the spectrum, including my son, he's been working in uh, DIR floor time for a number of years now, and we've been working him through the functional, emotional, developmental capacities and theory of mind pops in, and Maude will correct me if I'm wrong, around the fourth developmental capacity and into the fifth and sixth. And um, Maude has shared with me that uh, my son is on the cusp of theory of mind and there are some things we can do to help to promote that. And why would we want to promote it at all? Why wouldn't we just um, see what happens as he grows? So let's discuss these things. Welcome to Affect Autism again, Maude. Thank you for having me once again. (laughs) It's great to uh, check in with you on a regular basis, and for our listeners, uh, the blog post will contain links to things that we discuss and some of the past podcasts I've done with Maude at affectautism.com, do a search for theory of mind. So Maud, why don't we just start out by saying, what is theory of mind? A very important concept for all of us, not just
1: for children that's on the spectrum, um, The, um, stop it. So, theory of mind. um, The biggest piece about theory of mind is the ability of my mind to interact with what I'm getting intersubjectively from your mind, and then being able to flex my mind to adjust to what your mind is thinking and feeling. So it is a feeling concept and it sounds kind of complicated, right? And I think the words that we used before, the simplicity of the complexity, right? So the simplicity is, can a child read your mind? And can he assess what is your emotional state? The complexity is, is that that could easily become a cognitive activity. Yeah, I can see you're mad. Yeah, I can see you're sad. But can I negotiate my own emotions and my own emotional state with an adaptive response because I've read your emotional state? That, that's the complexity. And there are a lot of different areas that lies within that piece. And the, there's not really a lot of adequate testing out there um, that you can do to sort of see if your child has theory of mind or not many much of the theory of mind pieces out there it's easier to test the cognitive part but to really test the emotional part that's where i think floor time has the has sort of the the top of the range in the market when it comes to that piece
0: so um what is so important about theory of mind and let me just um guess here and give you an example so my understanding is It's about understanding that someone else has thoughts that are different than my own Mm -hmm. and so um, I've talked about on the blog before how our son has gotten into this I guess it's a habit with dad with his dad with my husband Um, it all started one day when he was playfully decided to hit my husband or I, I don't remember if it was a hit or a spit or something but it wasn't done um, in a defensive way it was done in a playful way and um, the way my husband reacted was the way many parents would react which is stop that don't do that some kind of snapping back and of course because my my husband is a very introverted, uh, flat, emotional type of person, seeing this kind of emotional response, I could tell right away that's what my son loved getting out of his dad. Mm -hmm. So it became this game that's been going on, I would say, for over a year now, if not two, (laughs) where um, almost every night uh, at bedtime when my husband's going to brush his teeth or when we're getting ready for bed, he decides to just walk up and go, ow and smack dada and then it becomes this back and forth of hey you hit me and so um maude has given us some suggestions that dad could do something like ah that really hurt oh and sort of keep him in that moment um, which dad's not comfortable doing <laughs> now i'm comfortable doing that um but what happens maude had said is that I'll say he says are you okay are you happy dada are you okay and Maud's point was well he's saying that because he now wants dad to participate in the game again not so much he understands that he hurt dada and has an effect on dada mm. because he's not being malicious or hurtful and when he hits other kids at school he might also be doing it just to see that cause and effect with another person um which i referred to a lot actually in uh in a podcast I did with uh, Virginia Spielman, we talked about that a lot too, having this cause and effect play and how his cause and effect play has progressed over the years. So he's now doing that with people. So, But he's not yet at the state that you call theory of mind where he understands that what I do might have a serious effect on another person. Now he might be getting there because he's noticing that it is having some effect and he's still trying to figure it out and that's where the uh, podcast I did with Dr. Fader comes in, the repetition in autism, because our kids need to repeat and practice doing something to figure it out. So he's experimenting just like kids do in play with what happens when I hit dad, what happens when I kick him, what happens if I do it harder, what happens if I do it softer. And so what dad was able to do and was comfortable doing is just sort of lay on the bed with a very sad look on his face for an extended period of time and this put our son in a very um uncomfortable mildly anxious state like dada dada are you happy dada are you happy ow ow and smacking him again and and dada's just still looking really sad and oh you hurt me and so let's take it from there what's happening
1: (laughs) And, and why is it so
0: important to reach this next stage i am so happy with dada so, um, you know, I, I think that I just
1: so feel for parents that they sometimes put in this position where they have to do things that's not really, things that they are comfortable with, but for the sake of their child, you know. Um, it just um, it just warms my heart when I see those things, um, even though I know it's not always easy. What's happening is that we're extending the moment so that he can be aware and can focus on that awareness, feel what that awareness is feeling like inside of his body, and really stay there. Just stay there. Because in that awareness comes the neurological firing of the brain. What do I do now? What do I do now? What do I do with this? Why is Daddy doing You know. So now that cause and effect becomes a little bit of a different place. Because now I have to negotiate something different. So, and that brings us to the added discussion about how much problem solving actually plays into this whole theory of mind piece and why it's important to practice that as a scaffolding um, ladder before we get to theory of mind. Because now he has to negotiate, what do I do now? Can I do something different? Oh, let me try the same thing, let me try the same thing, let me try what I tried before, and then realizing "Mm, it's not working the same way, now what? And then I, I sort of have a term that I always use. Um, that I say we hang it on a hanger. So you can hang it in the hanger and he can take it down or not, right? And so you're taking the situation, you're hanging it up and you're seeing if he's going to be able to figure out around, take down the hanger and say, okay, I'm gonna try it this way. And that's where the complexity then starts. That's what we wanna see. But if you quickly erase the moment, he goes on very happily. And that's why he also wants to make Dada happy. Daddy, are you happy? Dada, are you happy? Right? Because if you're happy, oh I can be relieved of this moment.
0: All right.
1: <laughs> the fact that he's feeling it, right? Already says to you that something is Greenspan would have said, cooking in there. And that's what we want to hold. Even though I know it feels uncomfortable for all of us, you know and it feels extrapolated. It's not like what we normally spontaneously would have done. But we have to remember that in a frame where processing might be delayed in certain areas, um, we need that time. We need much more extra time to really sit with something. And the importance of that also is on the other part, when we just talk about regulation and self-regulation, is that at that moment he has to regulate his own state Right? So you're asking quite a lot of, of, of this child. Um, so when he has to regulate the state now, now he has to sort of say, okay, I'm kind of, my cortisol is coming up, my adrenaline is coming up, and what am I going to do with that? Uh, you know, how am I going to solve this without avoidance or running away or starting to go into a meltdown or something, right? And how do I get to that that threshold? So. So in that self-regulation, you're also working on that piece of emotional inhibition, which is a later executive skill, right? So there's so many components that's attached to this whole theory of mind piece beyond the piece of a social connection, that we understand somebody else's feelings and, and get that they feel something different than we do. That would be social perspective taking. But to really be able to negotiate, um, some, let me give you an example. If, if, you, if you go home tonight and you've been pretty upset about something and you're talking to Dada about what upset you today and he's listening and he's listening and you're venting and you're venting and you're kind of feeling, okay, I'm getting something here, you know, I'm uh, getting some feedback here because he's listening. And then he turns around and he says to you, by the way, I'm going to that computer science fair on Saturday. And you're like, what? You, did you even hear what I was saying, Right. Because what happened at that moment is that he mismatched completely where you were at, right? And it might be for a variety of different reasons. But at that moment, you were not held in that moment. And that causes an uprising in yourself and in your own levels of stress or whatever. Again, getting back to the regulation piece. So I think I'm talking a little bit in circles here. Uh, because there's so much that i want to kind of touch on but we don't have that kind of time because basically we can have a day course on theory of mind Mm -hmm. and and how everything fits in i happen to think that theory of mind still is a very crucial hypothesis for asd um it's it's like the one big difference that i see in whether a kid actually has sensory processing or, or or asd is is this piece is a crucial piece
0: And we discussed that in the last podcast we did about your new functional uh, developmental assessment Mm -hmm. protocol uh, for listeners that want to link back and listen to that. Um, I'll put the link to that in the blog post. So I think uh, a couple of things came up for me when you were talking about that. First of all, that yes, a few years ago, um, I I, I could estimate how long ago, whether it was one year ago, three years ago. Our son would not have been able to stay with that feeling when he's continuing to hit Dada. Ow, ow, ow. And it's not really that hard and he's not that big yet. But of course, my concern would be, you know, if he becomes six feet tall and starts hitting Dada, then maybe that will become a serious issue. Uh, Whereas right now, he's still, even though he's nine, he's like a little toddler and it's cute and fun. Um... But a couple of things. So the first thing is, yeah, he might have just given up and walked away and gone to something else, but he's not. He's trying to stay in the interaction with Dada. And would you say that's part of that uh, shared problem-solving piece at the The, fourth capacity? That
1: awareness is what makes him emerging. Okay. The fact that he stayed there, the fact that his mind is turning, what's happening here? What's happening? What am I feeling? What am I experiencing? You, You want that registration and he's there. He's right. there.
0: whereas he would have just given up and walking mm-hmm. away walked away before mm-hmm. and then then other point about that is is what does it do if instead of staying in that moment we do that typical parent behavioral piece which i mentioned in the the last podcast that i did with Eunice Lee that we went to Dutch Wonderland and i saw a zillion families going through the same kinds of things that we go through. And I thought, wait a second, all these neurotypical kids do the same thing as my son. (laughs) It's not just autism. It's uh, all little toddlers go through these kinds of stages where they kick and scream and freak out. And the parents go, cut it out, stop it. And I just, (laughs) everywhere I looked, I saw screaming kids and parents yelling and getting frustrated and using these quote unquote behavioral techniques Uh, discipline techniques with their kids that obviously don't work empty threats if you don't stop that now we're leaving you know all of this kind of thing and um, it's very second nature for my husband to do that and you know most of us were raised that way Um, so and and I find that I'm so aware of the behavioral stuff and I've taken so many classes from Dr. Gordon Neufeld about uh, a different way of parenting But even in the moments of high stress, I will find myself resorting to that, like stop it now, you know, just get you just reach that boiling point and you snap at your child. Uh, So what is the detriment of snapping and saying, stop hitting data, go there, go sit over there now, as opposed to staying in that moment, Because this is really where we can be applying the DIR model, the developmental individual differences, relationship based model, uh, floor time and work on this fourth capacity that he's making his way and emerging into, as you said. Loaded
1: question, (laughs) (laughs) a loaded question. So first of all, I want to say to all parents out there, if I was going to look for a perfect parent, I'll have to die and go to heaven because that's the only place we're going to be perfect right so the first thing we do is we have to forgive ourselves when we do that when we do something that we feel like we shouldn't have done right the other thing I want to say is that sometimes it is appropriate um, I'm not really in favor of only one thing working for one specific incident mm-hmm. because if we do only one thing for one specific incident we're not really creating flexibility We're still stuck in, if you do this, this is how you respond. If you do this, this is how you respond. And that's not really what we do in a spontaneous social situation. That's not good skill for me. So sometimes it's appropriate. Sit down until I tell you to stand up, right? Mm -hmm. And that is appropriate. As much as it is appropriate of doing what Dada had done in your previous example. um, And creating that spot and using that moment right there. To hold that awareness of, you know, can you can you look at my face? Can you can you see what it is that I'm feeling? Do you have that interoceptive ability to to negotiate what's happening on my face right now? And then can you take what's happening on my face right now and relate that to how you're feeling? You know, just as a beginning step, right? And and that starts with that first beginning of awareness. So, what the detriment is to come back to that question that you asked? is that if we, if we focus on the behavioral mode, which, number one, is absolutely typical for neurotypically developing children, and behavioral models work. It's worked for many, many, many ages, and it's not going to change. With our developmental kids, though, the kids who are struggling to get over the developmental milestones, the behavioral model is not always understood in the way that the parent is meaning it. Because if the child doesn't quite get exactly why he must be sitting when his body is asking him to move, his focus is in a total different place than the parent. And, the, and so, so you have a mismatch again, which doesn't help anyone, because now the parent's going to feel, he's not doing what I'm telling him to do, he's feeling out of control. And the parent wants to be in control of the situation, the child wants to be in control of his body, and boy, are we going to meet? And what parents find, that if they keep with the behavioral model, they find that they have to keep training the same thing over and over and over because it doesn't always have meanings for our autistic kids. It doesn't. So we have to f- tell ourselves what readiness level is my child to actually accept the method that I'm using for that moment. The other part of, of that whole issue is... Not just the mismatch piece on that level, it is also, and Siegel talks a lot about this, and he, he actually talked at one of the, at the Atlanta DR conference, I think. Daniel yeah. Siegel? Yep. And, um, and he has a lot of um, good stuff out on neurobiology um, of emotion. And then what he talks about also is like um, the, um, the right brain and the left brain, which is a common term we all use. Right brain, more emotional, left brain, more logical, and uh, more on the rigid end. Um, And that's grossly speaking. Of course, our brain operates in much more complex ways. But what he says is that if we use words to control behavior, so now the behavior is already there, which means the child is in an upregulated state. So now we're using words And we're using firm motions and pointing with our finger and say, sit there, right? So what we are doing is we're trying to connect our emotion through the left brain. And the child is only living in the right brain at that moment. And then when you have this, this piece is that, is your method of using words really getting through to what the child needs to do to downregulate? why is the child upregulated why isn't he doing what you're doing are we chasing that why as we talked about before then that becomes a little bit more of a thinking place for us to think in this moment what's going to work and if you feel like you've messed up right which i think we all do from time to time if being normal then you go and find yourself a space to collect yourself, and you come back and you say to your child, Dada shouldn't have said it that way. Mommy shouldn't have said it that way. I'm still mad that you did that, but that's not how I should have done that. And now you say, but Ma, does my child understand that? Don't use those words on a child that can't understand it, but come and give a hug. Uh, Show some embrace, show some acceptance. Because what also happens in the child is that when they are leave- left with this moment where mommy and daddy was at them and they don't quite understand exactly what has happened, then they're left with my, my, my mommy, I'm gonna lose my mommy, I, my, my mommy is mad and, and somehow, somehow I've got something to do with it and, and I don't know what to do. So you have to come back and repair and give that hug. And if the child can't understand the words, don't do the words bury that you know do that later when they are ready to hear that but that repair tells the child that he's safe and and that safety is so
0: important and you know it's funny uh, I talked about this with Dr. Shanker um, a couple podcasts ago and he said we have to learn how to speak limbic (laughs) Mm -hmm. because the child is in red brain and they're not Right. able to access the blue brain capacities That's which right. is you use left brain right brain and Absolutely. and he said all of the same things as you so it um i love speaking to all the different <laughs> experts that all say the same thing in a different way because right. different parents will hear the different podcasts and and it'll resonate with some from you the way you said it versus the way dr shanker said it versus the way number of other people have said it so right. it's great um, and i
1: can recommend his book his book is a real good book yes to the self-reg yep. book
0: yes um now um something happened the other day that i can give you an example and and i'd love your feedback on what i did so we were um, next door to the clinic here at uh, oasis fun family center and it's this huge indoor playground with arcade games and bowling and rock climbing and that this one area has a number of those um, gymnastics type pillow mat blocks and my son loves to go and have uh always of course likes dada to build him a cool fort and he likes to go inside and feel that input on his body he likes to feel the the he likes to go inside and be completely covered and he says cover me cover me And so then um, he loves knocking it down and all the pillows fall on him. He feels the weight against his body and then build it again, dada, build it again. And so he went there and right away, my husband and I, like, you know, we're on high alert because there's some kids building a really cool castle and tower. And we know in every ounce of energy he has, he wants to go and knock it down. (laughs) And so we're trying to protect these kids from the destruction of our son (laughs) so to speak Um, and sure enough you know we get distracted because we distract him he wants to play this game because it's very distracting there I want to play this game oh I want to go here oh I want to go here I want to go here and before the game's even started he's already on to the next thing and he got away from us and he ran and he crashed this castle and the girl was crushed and bawled her eyes out so right away, Dad said, that's it, we're going, grabbed his hand and started to walk when I said, wait, wait, wait. And I took him and I picked him up like a little baby, even though he's 80 pounds now, I think. <laughs> I literally picked him up, carried him, sat on the ground in front of where the girl was crying because she couldn't really see us. She had her head buried. And I sat him down and I held him like a baby and I said, oh, no, sweetie, look what happened. And he said girl's sad the girl's sad and i said oh she's crying she's so upset (gasps) she worked so hard to build that big tower and look you knocked it down (gasps) i know sweetie you couldn't help it you wanted so badly to knock it down you didn't mean to make her sad but look she's so sad and so i was speaking slowly and using that comforting tone and he was listening to every single thing I was saying. And then he was sort of, I could see part of it's going in and part of him is still really unaware. So he was saying, I knocked it down, I knocked it down. I wanna build a new one or something like that. And I was like, but look, oh no. And I was really holding him in place and hugging him so that he wasn't, like I was giving him that proprioceptive input by squeezing him. So I did that as long as I could. And then I said, oh, we should really say something to the girl. And he said, I said, do you think there's anything you want to say? Because, again, I don't want to direct his behavior and say, go say sorry to her, you know, because he he may or may not know why he's saying sorry. I said, do you want to say something? He says, sorry, girl. (laughs) in just his, you know, matter of fact way. And she sort of looked and and I felt bad for putting the girl in the spotlight because, you know, maybe she doesn't want to cry in front of other people. um, But at the same time, I thought it was such an important... uh, Oh, and the other adorable thing is there was this other little girl who must have been just three, if three, and she's watching the whole time and she's like nodding at what I'm saying and then she's like yeah and she was sort of narrating <laughs> what was happening it was adorable <laughs> like she was learning too and like, yeah he did that and she didn't mean to and then I heard her run over to the other side and tell the girl who was crying's dad the big boy came and knocked over her blah 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 <laughs> so she explained the whole situation and then we left and we said oh you know it's time I think you know you're really tired now it's time to go back and have dinner let's go to the hotel so how did I do, and what's going on with him, and what could I do in the future? Similar situations.
1: <laughs> you did beautifully. You, you did the hanger. You, 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 you put up the hanger, and he will, uh, there will come a time where he will be able to take it down, where he will be able to assimilate it. The fact that you kept him there, the fact that he was listening to every single word, he was trying in his brain to compartmentalize it and he was trying to fit a place in his brain where this could fit and it didn't fit but he knew enough that he had to say sorry girl and that is that that's that kind of superficial first layer right he knew enough to say okay i know what the cause and effect should be but do i do do i really understand why i need to be sorry right it it felt so good crashing it down didn't <laughs> it mommy <laughs> right i mean that's what i do that's where i get a lot of power and input and I get so so for him in his experience centralized on himself that's the most important thing and so what you're doing now is you're taking that sense of self that he has accumulated and you're trying to turn that towards somebody else's sense of self and and that's the underpinning of of getting to theory of mind that's um, and that Some, you know, you can talk about empathy, um, which is part and parcel of this whole piece, right? And there's cognitive empathy. Oh, I know that you're sad, and then I go on and I do something else, right? Um, I can know, but I don't always feel. Right, right. So the real empathy is when I get you without talking. When I have a wonderful vacation, and I had a beautiful island Caribbean experience... And I'm coming to you for the first time afterwards and my face is happy and I wanna tell you about my and I see, oh my goodness, Daria, you don't you don't look good. Midstream in my own happiness, I can switch, change that emotion, and come to you and say, Hey Daria, what's up? Right, right. And and reach out to you and switch my own need, suppress my own need, and switch over to your need. Yeah. And that's that flexibility that comes with that deeper empathy, the deeper theory of mind. That's so important.
0: Now, I should also say that I did spend a good amount of time in the next half hour to an hour, and then reviewing the next day as well. I said, when you're a little bit bigger, you'll be able to stop yourself. I know you're going to want to knock that tower down, but you're going to be able to stop yourself and realize, oh, I don't want to make the girl sad. So sort of planning the seeds for hopefully him being able to uh, negotiate that within his own mind, like having those impulsive urges and being able to realize like this is not appropriate for me to do in this moment. That's right. um, no, letting I... him know because I don't want him to feel like, oh, but I didn't mean to do anything wrong and here I'm getting punished. What's wrong with me? I wanted to let him know, you know, it, you'll be able to do this in time kind of thing.
1: I don't see anything wrong with that, Daria. I don't know how much of that he's taking in, right? I do think that he, because you're the mom, and because Dada's his Dada, you have the most power to create what Traverthan talks about—that intersubjective response. Um, the the way that we can get each other without having to talk. You know, you're sitting at a dinner table, and all your friends are there and somebody says something you look over to your husband and say and you just know exactly what he's thinking that that's that into subjectivity right where we sort of um the 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 natural way of telepathy right right. (laughs) that we can feel each other and get each other and and so you have that power that we as therapists don't really have um if anybody is going to be able to put that message into and an empathetic embracing way it's going to be the parent that, that's, the, that's the very powerful piece that you guys have as parents um, so keep doing that, keep plugging it if you're going to be doing wordy stuff for the lack of a different term keep it short keep, choose your language well at the level where the child is um, and then just don't do too much of the blue brain
0: mm-hmm.
1: the left brain Because we're dealing with emotional pieces here, and the body drives emotion, and emotion drives the body. And he was in emotional brain. He was not in logical brain at that point. He's still working on that transition over to the the logical brain. So, you're not going to get that emotional piece by being too wordy and too many examples and too many blah blah blah. But But just simply saying, honey, I know that felt good the girl was sad one day you will be able to not do that I think those are words that look that that your son would get at this point um, somebody and, and else somebody else might say mm, so sad girl sad you're okay. Hug, hug, hug. Right? And then perhaps for that child you won't be able to talk about the future because the child's not at that level. But to acknowledge what has happened. To be able to just put the two to some sort of a place. Just to give it a place. And not just let the moment go past. Which is what you did not do in that case. You, you used that moment.
0: Um, and m- many
1: parents would have run because it just puts you in the spot at that Yeah, I
0: think my husband was horrified and and I was doing this and there were other parents sitting there watching everything I was doing and probably judging my son, like he's old enough, like what a wild and crazy kid, like can't you control your kid or whatever. I didn't care what they thought because I thought, you know, this is it. So really the theory of mind piece is a whole process Mm -hmm. and I'm guessing that depending on the child it can take you know a shorter amount of time or a much much longer amount of time um, but it's certainly not something that would happen overnight I'm guessing
1: Nope. unfortunately not it does take time that's why it's sometimes the harder level for the kids to go through is three to four because that's the bridge they have to make at that point and with three, you're still you're still working on, um, getting that two-way communication, stretching it, doing a playful obstruction, and you're doing that really fun pieces of um of getting him to do that simplistic problem solving. But once you shift over to four, and you're getting into imagination, abstract thinking, pretend, um, what is pretend? What is real? What is not real? What is fantasy? What is that story that I love looking? mean you know it's not just that I like that one character that's got this overblown um, sort of characteristic that the that the um, movies like to do right Um, there's some other meaning behind that that's really where four is level four is so robust
0: but isn't that imaginary piece more into five Mm
1: -hmm. or what's you you start your abstract formation on four your ideation comes from 4. Greenspan used to say, you don't exit 4 until you have 60 plus of your own ideas. Right? Ideas comes from imagination. And your own ideation. So, so that, that abstract formation is very much part of 4. Yes, you're going to be deepening the plot in 5, for sure. But in 4 is when you're setting all of this in motion. And think about that. If I want to be having theory of mind and think about what you're feeling, I have to be able to ideate. I have to be able to have an idea about what it is that you might be feeling in order to respond to that. So four is really the sort of the starter point for a whole many of these pieces.
0: So to link back to another podcast we did before, um, I think last time we were here you mentioned that you could really see in my son that he has all these ideas of what he now wants to see in front of him and he's now wanting to put it in a 3d space in front of him so uh miss janine build this dada do this mama do this because he doesn't yet know how to do it himself he doesn't yet know how to build this really cool helix train track that dada can build for him he doesn't really know how to build the fort that Mm -hmm. miss janine and him were putting together um so he he will say do this do this um and you said that it could be that you know it's his we had a a long podcast about motor planning and sequencing so some of his challenges there about wanting to actually Mm -hmm. put the ideas that are in his head into the 3d space in front of him his uh, motor planning and sequencing abilities are holding him back from doing that and he's now using his interaction and communication that he's got from the third and fourth capacities to negotiate and try and get other people to do it for him Um, even though it's still less social and more about what I want for me um, he's accessing that in a social way I guess is a way you could say it
1: yeah absolutely it's it's again it's part of that beginning that's why I was you know we talk about your child emerging into that space uh, which is really awesome Um, but yes Um, autistic kids have a phenomenal way of trying to figure out how to get what they want (laughs) they can work out and that's why a lot of people say but you know what i mean he is so smart he should be able to understand but it doesn't correlate the same way because what he's smart about is about what his own body and his own needs want that's that's how He's using his system and whoever else could be his extension with the skills that he's lacking, like the motor planning. Mommy, you do it. I take you by the hand and you open that thing for me, right? You're my extension. But it's still about me. So my smarts are still directed to me and my needs. It's when we enter the space of, can I let go of my need in favor of somebody else's need? And that's where discipline comes in. Because when we're growing up, we need a moral standard. We need an internal standard, as Greenspan also talked about. Um, and where do you get that from? You get that from how does authority play out in the household? One of the themes, symbolic themes, we have to work on is limit setting. And how do I experience that in my own life? What's my limits? Where's your boundaries? Why don't I invade your, sp- your personal space? All of those pieces are modeled in those early years of life. Um, And all of those pieces have to come to some place of coherence inside of the brain. Um, And that's, so, you know, I think I'm making a lot more complexity here, but I do want to bring the message across that don't be afraid if four takes you a year. Or five Uh, years. Yes. You know, (laughs) um, as long as it takes, but we've seen it happen over and over. The kids can pull through. The biggest key is consistency. It's not going from one thing to the other. Okay, we've been here now long enough on three. So let's try something different. And it might just be right before we hit the golden grail. And that first book that I wrote on the twister mat, if we didn't keep going for six months on that twister mat, right, we wouldn't have seen the burst The burst of skill that came from that kid from that six months of work. And we must realize that as we are mobilizing those levels, the child keeps processing in and out of the session, in and out of the moment that occurred, like the moment that you're referring to. And the, the processing continues, which is what development does. And when he comes to the next situation, he brings that process with him. And then the next situation sort of builds on it, but he still hasn't got the skill to really show us what he's got. But in the meantime, the brain is busy putting it together and busy giving it access. Um, So consistency with flexibility, not consistency with rigidity, like do something the same way all the time, Mm -hmm. with flexibility, Um, But always kind of looking out for what is that experience? What does it feel like in his body? How is he experiencing it? How is he experiencing what I am experiencing, right? Pushing, pushing, sometimes shorter moments, sometimes with longer moments. But keep, keep, keep up with it, right? And, And one really practical thing that you can do is stories. You know, reading stories and making those stories come to life. Buying the figures of those stories, if it's one that they particularly like, there's all kinds of stories these days that can really help you with a lot of different emotional content, um, and then and it depends on the on the level of abstraction or level of ideation that they can form to visually comprehend what it is that they're listening to, so all of that is also
0: harnessing for. So um, so I think
1: I've just said enough about
0: that, but. So so in terms of how can we work on that and and practice uh, preparation for theory of mind, let's say, um, maybe this is more a cognitive thing, but saying, oh, look over there, that character or whatever is looks, what does he look, oh, he looks angry, he's mad, oh, he's mad, I wonder why he's mad, and doing that sort of exercise, does that help? Uh, and that would be the cognitive part. And that would be
1: um, getting into the emergence part, right? Mm-hmm. And yes, don't stop doing that. You can keep doing that. You can keep smiley faces on your refrigerator. Or not smiley faces, but you know, all those faces that and they the have. The or yeah, whatever. <laughs> put that on. And they just kind of have it there. There's these beautiful little, what they know, kimochis. I don't know if you've seen them. But they're little um, colored figures. And each one of them have a different emotion. Um, they're actually pretty cute to work with. Um so we have a set here that we that we use from time to time. I think our speech pathologist uses it. Um, and just having sort of a feeling place to go to, even if it's just on that narrative, on that cognitive place. But I think more importantly is the moments like Dada has had. Is that you have them in the moment, not tomorrow. The talk tomorrow sometimes not even something that's relevant for them because not every one of them even understand the passage of time that that was yesterday and this is tomorrow, right? So it doesn't always make sense to them but the moment makes sense and it's in that that moment you have to capture. So look for those teachable moments where you can extrapolate and don't feel the mommy urge to take care of the situation. If the child is going through something tough it's okay, honey. It's okay. We would naturally do that because we're nurturers as mothers, right? That's the moment I'm going to ask you to hold back, <laughs> you know, and to just take your mommy nature and hold on to it, allow him to feel it, allow him to feel the pain if it's pain, allow him to feel those pieces for that moment, as long as you can have that so that he could really understand what it is that happened at that moment. And then you can go in and do your repair and do your nurture and what you need to do to take care of the situation. Um, unfortunately, it's not easy, you know, it's it's painful to get through these pieces. Just as much as we have pain when we go through trauma in our adult lives. Emotions are never really easy
0: to work through. So, uh, something that happened this morning, I was, you know, getting my son out of bed. And the first thing he says is, I want to go, because he's in a different room than where his dad's sleeping, he goes, I want to go hit Dada. And I'm like, oh, no, don't go hit Dada. Oh, no. And so he walks into the other room, and sure enough, he goes up to where dad's in bed and whacks him. And so this has become like a consistent game. So dad requires an enormous unending supply of patience to deal with this. But I do remember you had said to us before It's also a good thing to, like you said a few minutes ago, to be flexible. And you don't, every single time, you don't have to say, don't do that. And sometimes you might say, don't do that. Sometimes you might be like, oh, that hurt, and hold them in the moment. Other times you might react a different way, just so that it doesn't become this repetitive game type of thing. Um, But (laughs) is there any way we can get over this? I mean, it's funny (laughs) because I can think, you know, well... A year ago, the thing was um, licking Dada's face every minute of every day, going up and licking. Well, that stopped. Okay, well, now we're on to the hitting. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's one thing and then something else and then something else. But um, Well, one
1: thing is for sure. He definitely gets a kick out of Dad. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a great relationship there. And we've certainly seen that, too, in the last couple of days here. The, um, I don't have an easy answer for you. I don't, I think if somebody could give you the easy answer, that person probably would be quite rich by now. You know, Um, human behavior is so gray and that's why it's so tough for the kids, you know, because one day we do say, honey, can you wait five minutes? And the next day we say, what part of five minutes didn't you get, right? (laughs) Same message, but different quality, different emotional tone, you know, and it's so hard. And, And when you're struggling with theory of mind, you're also prone to want to put things in categories in the brain. And how do you put social emotion into a category? Because it translates across so many different wireframes in the brain, right? So that's why they shy away. That's why. And the other reason they shy away is because they have a huge memory of not understanding why they were getting so upregulated and feeling out of control of their own body. And they are in fear that that will return once they know how kind of nice it feels to be calm and collected and regulated. So, to come back to your question, there's no good answer. Remain flexible about how you respond to that. Um, And maybe there's maybe, um, um, I'm thinking of a story right now where... um, I will find the story for you, but there's a story, uh, a children's story that actually goes about hitting, and I think there was also biting in there, but I'll find it. But, the, um, but doing stories like that, um, just to sort of reiterate the situation. The one thing not to do is to focus on the hit. That's really, um, that's not, because the moment you focus on what the behavior actually is, it causes anxiety inside of his system because he, it feels so good. Why are you mad about that, right? It's a complete mismatch. Even though you know cognitively this is not a good thing, he doesn't get that. Why does he want to do it all the time? Because it gives him a real big kick, okay?
0: Yes, whatever it might be, and and not only that, but it also, um, It. it's just, also focusing on what he likes to do and saying "Don't hit, don't hit, don't hit, don't hit." Well, you've now said it 500 times in the last three months. Has it stopped? No. So obviously that doesn't work.
1: <laughs> true, very true. Yeah. And I think we, um, um, I think we can talk long, long hours about human behavior, but the biggest keys are consistency, creating flexibility. Creating a waiting stance, a waiting-in-the-moment stance, and chasing the why. Those, those four principles are incredibly important when it comes to any behavior. And of course the fifth one, that, well, the fir- it's part of the first one, is that mom and dad needs to have consistency in how they, they take care of the child. Not that they have to be the same. Actually, it's quite important for mom and dad to be different because they learn from different relationships and different limits and different boundaries. We don't have to be exactly the same and play the same and do the same, but we have to have our standard, our family standard. This what we are and our core needs to be a consistent message.
0: Um, From there, um, you can build. Well, thank you so much for um, taking the time to discuss this in, in a more, um, I would say, a less theory, academic-based type way, and more talking through some examples that that happen, and, and how, um, you know, how it is a struggle to get to that point where we really want to see that moment where your child really understands something else is going on with that person, and and is able to get that so-called theory of mind so um, thanks as always for uh, <laughs> speaking with me and I'm sure we'll discuss this topic more going forward
1: <laughs> thank you for having me
0: <laughs> and listeners again you can look at some of the links to some of the things Maud brought up at affectautism.com search theory of mind until next time here's to affecting autism through play